0: Okay, good morning. Welcome back. I hope you're well. Today is Thursday, August 31, 2023. Four months left in the year. Uh, (laughs) uh, Me and a friend both commented that we had to like force ourselves to by repetition remember the name of the day okay it's tuesday remember it's tuesday the 23rd it's the 23rd okay okay because of for us this experience that time uh, is going a whole lot faster than ever before and um it's getting to be a blur particularly if we have things to do and projects and uh that's going on so the year is um two-thirds done And we're shuttling into 2024. And we all know about Deagle 2025. And um, we'll see. Um, Conditions remain hot at Tribulation. So today, there were a number of things that I was thinking of bringing up or talking about. Uh, I was thinking about a... (laughs) psychological analysis of the tv series mad men called the title would be 3d mad men um and i don't i don't want to get in that that won't be the topic for today but just for anybody who's interested the phrase that i distilled was uh, watching all the characters of that tv series mad men which has a particular affinity for me because uh I was in New York City in or in yeah, I was in New York City in the nineteen sixties. Um, from sixty two to eighty. Um, all sorts of things going on in the show and uh know in the sixties, uh impacted me or were very real. I saw all sorts of characters there. The phrase is um each of the characters shows their own unique constellation of defensive compensations. Constellate individual unique constellation of defensive compensations. People, you know, Lane Price hadn't resolved issues with his father, and Don Draper hadn't resolved issues of his own self-esteem, and people are very concerned about how they're seen, and um want to demonstrate their power over other people or their autonomy or all sorts of um manifestations personality tendencies that are compensatory to uh, unhealed wounding so all sorts of folks and we you know we have our own uh blind spot tendencies of mind behavior that particularly interpersonal but also alone that uh, represent sort of defensive strategies uh, comp- compensating for some some wounding unhealed sense of self, relation to parents uh, relation to society or, or power uh, sexuality, body image all sorts of dynamics psychodynamics um, that are the persona that that show us the distinct persona personality of of each person of each of them um, that have somewhat of a defensive avoidant function they're avoidant of pain carried emotionally they're avoidant of certain truths or certain facts or some emotional process that is upsetting uh, and personality thus is configured on the basis of uh, unrecognized second third chakra blockages it's, it's chronic and in such a worldly situation like uh, sterling cooper advertising company and the advertising world and all that stuff um how they're seen and how you see me and how i think of myself in your eyes in this collective all that interpersonal stuff is very important, and so the more engaged we are with people, uh, the more one will be triggered to second, third chakra blockage um, influences or, or uh, tendencies associated with what we haven't, you know, worked on yet. So. For the fully balanced entity, no situation has emotional charge, said Ra. Uh, When there's any emotional charge, it means that we're not fully balanced, and then there's lower triad blockage, and then there's unhealed wounding commonly. And it just goes uh, deeper and deeper because there are very deep biases in the mind developed over lifetimes that we're very unaware of, you know, a tendency to solitude or a tendency the extrovert tendency to long for group life or parties or something Uh, how we think of ourselves when we're alone how we think how much we think how much freedom we give ourselves how much we're willing to accept how much uh, we're willing to accept not knowing all sorts of very subtle matters are deeper than just the emotional charge that arises in a situation even and so uh, defensive (laughs) compensations uh, are all all over the place but that's not the topic for today that's just uh, um, appetizer i really want to get into um the uh, discussion of kalpana kalpana is a sanskrit word used a lot by nisargadat maharaj uh in a cute way where he would say kalpana kalpana waving his hand with the cigarette and basically saying well that's what you think that's your thought that's your concept is reality your concept is the situation um simply defined by your concept what is what else is happening here beyond your conceptual designation and, and how um, much we trust our interpretations. And so I want to read uh, something that I've uh, read before. This is from Yoga Vashishta, uh, chapter 117, <laughs> dialogue between Manu and Ikshaku, King Ikshaku, and Manu was one of the in some sense archangels or um, primary representatives of, of Brahman or logos or God in in creation so it's a story uh, I don't think there's historicity to it but uh, this is a very uh, concise teaching on what's real what's unreal and ultimately uh moves towards a deeper understanding of of when people say maya or illusion what does that mean what's maya well you slap me in the face is that maya well it hurts and i'm upset is that unreal it's all unreal uh real used only to mean the eternal yeah then temporary reactions are unreal but i think it's a teaching that needs reworking and though I'm sure that you listening have heard me talking about these things long enough to know that uh, I wouldn't wave my hand and say it's all unreal, unreal. It is it, it. What's the it? it is our presumption that um, our interpretation is experience, our um, unwillingness or um, common default of trusting our concept. We trust our interpretations. Now, that doesn't mean we shouldn't, but we should be careful. (laughs) And so sometimes or commonly, we really don't know what's happening. And even when we have a concept or interpretation that makes sense or helps us support, make a, a decision that we later realize is a good decision, good consequences means I guess it was a good decision by my understanding of what was in play, my concept, my conceptual interpretation uh i guess i understand the situation well yeah (laughs) to the degree that that uh, one has to the range of one's perception one may have relative understanding ross said understanding is not of your density and that means that in this density with this body as a default condition of its perception the perception the, the, the sense perceptions the five physical and one mental Six senses that are default in this body in this density um, is not capable of true understanding, but we can have some. It's capable of partial understanding uh, because the real is greater than our interpretation, <laughs> reality is greater than our superimposition of concept, which is interpretation, which fashions experience, which is fine, which can help us. Continue to develop but actually it's illusion (laughs) so we use illusion to move out of illusion then we realize there's never been an illusion it was just an illusion that there was that that we thought our interpretations were reality and then we see oh reality is not my interpretation but there may be useful teaching like gotama's raft of buddha dhamma teaching to get to the other shore to get to a point where we don't need kalpana so there's useful kalpana, There, there's the useful illusion of of right view, number one in the uh, Eightfold Path in Buddhism, right view. <clears throat> so right view is critical, and some portion of right view is um, realizing that all view is illusory. So this is that dialogue of Manu, King Ikshaku. So mano is saying, and I send put the link to this. This is stanzas, Shloka 9 through 15. Uh, I see, O king, that you have, after a long time, come to exercise of your reasoning, as it's shown by your proposing to me so important a question as this. The question actually was, tell me how I, this is Shloka 8, how I may be extricated from my doubts and erroneous opinions regarding this creation and how i may be released from them like a bird from its net so uh help me free myself from wrong view and doubt and mistaken perspectives and and to be released from that um and no longer trapped to to break the bonds to break my bondage to wrong view and doubt and misunderstanding so manu replies I see, after a long time, you've come to the exercise of your reasoning, uh, shown by your proposing to me such an important question as this. And here, here the teaching begins hardcore. Number 10. All this that you see, nothing real. They are merely phenomenal and unsubstantial. They resemble fairy castles in the sky and the water in the mirage of sandy deserts so also anything which is not seen in reality is accounted nothing in existence meaning whatever where, to, to whatever degree we're not seeing reality which is such it actually is, um, it accounts for nothing has no, no, um, no, no authentic ex- existential meaning or, or uh, value it's accounted for nothing in true existence so all of our imaginings uh being impermanent, being phenomenal and insubstantial, right? That's anata or emptiness, sunya, emptiness, insubstantiality, um, he's saying, is accounted for counted nothing in existence, so it's unreal. But <laughs> it's not that simple. Eleven. The mind also, which lies beyond the six senses, is reckoned as nothing in reality. But That which is indestructible is the only thing that is said to exist and is called the tatsat, the only being in reality. Twelve. All these visible worlds and successive creations are but insubstantial appearances in the mirror of that real substance. Thirteen. The inherent powers of Brahma, or Godhead, or God, or Logos, evolve themselves as shining sparks of fire and some of these assume the forms of the luminous worlds while others appear in the shapes of living souls. Others again take many other forms which compose this universe and there is nothing as bondage or liberation here except that the undecaying Brahma is all in all nor is there any unity or duality in nature except the diversity displayed by divine mind from the essence of his own consciousness. And they use the term Samvid, also uh, uh, Satchit. Fifteen final shloka. As it is the same water of the sea, which itself is in the various forms of its waves, so does the divine intellect display itself in everything, and there is nothing else beside this Therefore, leave aside your thoughts of bondage and liberation and rest, secure in this belief from the fears of the world. It's a beautiful teaching, I think. And so, from the view that, I mean, he's uh, even explaining um, how the teaching is formed, um, as the only thing that's said to exist is tat-sat <laughs> and what is tat-sat? Tat as such or thus and sat as reality or truth absolute reality truth the, the truth of absolute reality tat being such it is as it is independent of concept but concept may help you know practically and also may help be free of illusion, as that is the basis that the the teaching, you know, the philosophical assumption here. The only thing that's real is not phenomenal, is not um, insubstantial or impermanent. It's not impermanent. It's not even apparent. Apparent. What appears to the senses is unreal, even six-density senses because there's still perception in play. And so then you go very hardcore into Buddhist understanding of the end of the path where perception and consciousness or subjective conscious, you know, subjective awareness, as called consciousness, those fall away together. So at the end of the path, there's no perception. <laughs> the guardians don't have perception. They are and know and thus do. <laughs> they know in a non-dual way uh, beyond the arising of discrete perception, thus beyond the arising of subjective consciousness. So, <clears throat> that that's why, you know, as far as I've had experiences, one can only catch what happens conceptually after it's finished. Certain kinds of, you know, awareness release or release, awareness of release or something aware, I haven't had final release, of course, but Uh, certain breakthroughs can only be recognized conceptually, meaning we can only understand them, understand by concept, by perception and concept, kalpana, after the moment is over, after the uh, non-dual awareness of reality, perhaps, (laughs) if that's what happened, then one would resume conception and comprehend, so-called comprehend what happened. So the idea is that the phenomenal, the apparent, the perceived actually is unreal because it's impermanent and ultimately a product of perception, which is limited. There's no perception. Perception itself is the result of avidya or ignorance or identity. Breaking identity, eighth fetter, perception doesn't even arise we can't imagine what that is or we can imagine it by by perception and conception by thinking we can imagine sure but that's not the reality the reality or you know sat chit mind awareness of sat reality uh, is of neither perception nor kalpana nor subjective identity boom and so uh, non-duality as reality is neither um, unity nor duality and that's that down here you know everybody every Advaita Vedanti who knows anything will tell you that, that unity is simply the counterpart of duality meaning the perception unity is an ex, is a word <laughs> based on a concept based on a perception that all that I had thought or seen as many differentiated is one all that had appeared all the appearance of many is really one well that depends on a prior or, or concurrent ac- uh, uh, perception of many <clears throat> and, a, and a subsequent uh, perception that all that w- is one all the waves are one ocean but actually all that is light and that too is still Maya because non-duality is beyond the polarity of unity and duality unity and duality or duality and unity seeing many and seeing that many as one these uh, this is a polarity of the result of perception the result of not of of ignorance in play real non-duality as far as i know or have tasted um is of neither perception nor nor subjective consciousness and identity therefore it's inconceivable and so <clears throat> this is very radical teaching uh, the mind which also lies beyond the six senses is reckoned as nothing in reality meaning in our teaching mind, manas, uh, subjective, you know, Vijnana is nothing <laughs> it's unreal it's a temporary appearance you know, when fire goes out where does the fire go? fire is a word we use to describe a phenomenon that's impermanent when it ends, where does it go? well don't know <laughs> it breaks into its constituent parts, so that calling it fire was just um, <clears throat> a a technical you know a useful uh, tool uh, useful in helping explain our experience, uh, but there's no substantial fire entity that goes somewhere. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. I may have to pause. I have uh, the second season of Baby Snakes coming through my room here. I already met five, and now there's a black. Just a second. Uh, Maybe yes, maybe no my attic serves as a snake nursery for the taiwan beauty snakes uh and periodically they come into my room but they have no teeth so it's okay so if i have to go or pause that's what that is it's a little unsettling as you can imagine so but it's nothing in reality right it's just uh it's just maya so <clears throat> in any case i don't really wish, you know, I don't don't want to use the word unreal in that all the phenomenal being impermanent, you know, isn't real, it's not real. It's apparently real, it's temporarily real, it's quite vivid, obviously, and it should be given due respect, for sure. Uh, But we really have to understand that... um, are our, our naming and labeling, which may be very useful interpreting situations and our needs and our dynamics and relational conditions, um, is not, is um, quite relative. <laughs> and so the idea is that um, only the indestructible is real. Uh, how about we can say that that only that which is beyond you know phenomenal the the source of phenomena or light only that is where we'll find permanence or eternal and so likewise uh, so the mind is reckoned as nothing in reality because it's not indestructible all the visible worlds and successive creations themselves are also insubstantial appearances Uh, how does that happen it's exactly in harmony with what Ross said in terms of um, the Logos generating light and light taking form the form of body, mind, spirit the forms of a higher self entity body form, energy fields form, consciousness form, human personality form the forms of matter and body the forms of energy that are invisible the forms of the dimensions the forms of galaxies and planets and stars the forms of energy matter, energy that are associated with consciousness and then identity, a sense of self all that here is considered um, of, of Brahma forms of light and so the inherent powers of brahma 13 evolve themselves as shining sparks of fire light and some of these assume the forms of the luminous worlds while others appear in the shapes of living souls others again take many other forms which compose the universe meaning galaxies planets stars gas and the elements and all this and that and he goes on, and there is nothing as bondage or liberation here, meaning um, we're dancing in, uh, you know, uh, material, uh, Ross said, you know, you're not living in a material universe. You're dancing thoughts. This kind of thing. So, there's no bondage, there's no liberation, except the undecaying Brahma is all in all. Look around, you see the creator. Nor is there any unity or duality in nature as you know, the result, uh, perceptions and experience of unity, duality as coming from perception, except the diversity displayed by divine mind from the essence of his own consciousness or awareness. All, as it is the same water of the sea, which itself is in the various forms of its waves, so does divine intellect display itself in everything, and there's nothing else beside it. Therefore, leave aside your thoughts of bondage and liberation and rest, secure in this belief from the fears of the world. Uh, We have lots of fears. That's pretty normal. Uh, The idea is that we're living in an ocean of light uh, that takes countless forms and there's nothing to worry about except for the fact that that black thing up there might be a snake. So... (laughs) all right we'll see so yeah hard to put the practice put the uh, teachings of fearlessness or in uh, unflappability (laughs) into practice so but you know um, disturbance happens so so then we come to kalpana and wikipedia has an excellent page actually let me see something Okay. Um, interestingly on the Wikipedia page um, Kalpana is defined as imagination. It's it's completely synonymous with the fourth skanda Sankara samskara uh, and you'll see this that that Gautama's formulation of the fourth skanda or the you know what's called fabrications fermentations volitional compounds basically a mental thought form whether it's emotional or not um is completely um naturally arising from the 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 hindu tradition of sanskrit teaching prior to buddhism so kalpana derived from the root kalpanama something something means fixing settlement making performing doing forming arranging decorating ornamenting forgery device assuming anything to be real fictional and so that idea is we we presume our concepts to be real i presume the snake to be real well (laughs) it may be physically real um but my um mental emotional process is empty but uh worth uh considering and so it goes on um Suresh Varacharya, in some commentary, used the term Kalpana to mean inferior conception. It's basically conceptualizing that has a certain inferiority to it. it, it it's complicated. If you're talking about seeking, you know, Godhead or complete perfect enlightenment, um, conception won't get you there, and compared to that reality, it's inferior but it may be useful on the path, of course. Badarayana use kalpana only once to mean, or by somebody else to mean creative power of thought, formation, creation, and then not imagination. So a lot of people split hairs with this as usual. Mm. Translation of a commentary of Shankara translated it as fictitious view fictitious attribute mm, the the um illusory nature of our thinking and feeling or mental process that that it's it's like if i don't have thoughts of anger am i angry if i don't feel upset am is up is the upset real well it's felt to be as real as i continue thinking it on the other hand it's useful to understand that uh, the red light means stop your car and the green light means go so there's a practicality to concept in the world and of course on the path so it's some kind of some kind of very delicate balance there it may be illusory (laughs) but Uh, it has uh, a certain, uh, temporary intensity of apparent reality. That's rain outside. Uh, and the final paragraph here, I hope you can hear, and the Wikipedia page says, and I don't agree with everything here, but it's pretty close. Man is able to think because he has a perceiving and arranging manas, mind, or concrete mind, which self-illuminated then gives him chetna or chetana consciousness in this case more of um transpersonal awareness and the faculties of pratyaksha perception chinta thought and imagination volition higher sentience dot 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 so um our thinking comes because of this interplay of different ma- mind functions of course It goes on, the Vedic thinkers held the view that the universe is merely an idea, a kalpana, a phantasm, the universe as a phantasm, or a projection of the mind of the creator, both the creator of light and us as creating concept. Even the experience of birth and death by the jiva, the soul, is a kalpana, a (laughs) hallucination. They have all sorts of synonyms here. So, even the experience of birth and death by the jiva, the soul, is itself a kalpana, hallucination, created by ignorance, avidya. So, that's where some people come off by saying there's no reincarnation, because there's no abiding selfhood, and it's all illusory. But I wouldn't quite take it that far. Mental kalpana is false superimposition on account of ignorance. However, the siddha, exclusively intent on attaining yoga with his own self and self-reliant, gains powers arising spontaneously as devoid of any ruse or ploy. Kalpana. (laughs) So, uh, Siddhi's magical powers, powers of knowing or doing, um, may be independent of Kalpana. It's just potentials unlocked. But it's very interesting to me the um, you know, the, the teaching that the, Veda, the, the root of Veda teaching is um, sees the whole universe as a dream or a phantasm, a projection of our mind, because we really big, big rain we really can't understand without concept if there is no thinking, even the mind is very quiet and peaceful how do we make understanding? without concept we don't know even um, you know breakthrough experiences are only understood by concept later so Kalpana as a false superimposition on account of ignorance very interesting and so the Yogi the Siddha um, not only gains powers but also comes into greater awareness of that which is devoid of kalpana reality uh without kalpana and so on the wisdom live page i hope you can hear me because i can't hear me so well with the rain Uh, from wisdom library again more synonyms cogitation from the shakti um, Shaktism, Shakta philosophy, tradition, uh, imagination. In Shaivism Kalpana means thought thought constructs. Uh, and you can and you can actually say that the whole creation is the projection of the Greater, the one infinite greater. Because Ra used the phrase, the concept of light. So light is a concept Therefore, all the forms of light, which is material forms, and energy field forms, and consciousness forms, and identity forms, forms associated with chakras, energy lines, the forms of um, personality and the transpersonal, experiences of perception and cogitation or kalpana, it's all light light uh, you see light is not you know shining bright thing like the light bulb it's just a word that's used to, it, it's not <clears throat> different than prana and prana is not physical and so it's prior to the seven rays but even that that light with a capital l is considered a concept generated in the awareness of the one infinite intelligent infinity. discern the concept affinity and came to realize that it would be good to explore this illusory affinity by concept of light, by light, which is a concept. (laughs) And, you know, some people can't handle this. (laughs) Um, It's just, it doesn't, you know, it's not the same as depersonalization and dissociation and psychotic process. And it's not intended to do any spiritual bypassing because what's felt in the body and thought in the mind should be given due attention of course but the nature of what we're rightly attending to our body condition, the mental emotional condition, thoughts, feelings catharsis, anything, relational dynamics with partners and friends they're apparently real and one should be careful, I mean it's just our natural way to get attached and stuck, this kind of teaching helps with detachment <laughs> and helps with an understanding a seeking to understand or live in reality it, it, it fans the flame of, of seeking seeking to know seeking for freedom, seeking to be out of ignorance and by that very deep levels of mind are affected and it leads to just a, a weakening of, of craving and clinging Overall, um, I think this is an accurate teaching. Um, It supports uh, continued detachment from craving and clinging, without doubt. Um, From yoga, from uh, one source here, Kalpana refers to conceptual thinking. Imaginings from the Jainist, the Jains understand this very well too. Um, a thought, and from Marathi, Nityananda's language, region, thought or idea, a fancy conceived, an image formed in mind, a, a conceit, a fiction, a f- conjecture, a mere conception. And so that, that <clears throat> the idea that Thought is not only impermanent and not only insubstantial because it comes and goes and you can't really grasp it and hold it, you can keep amping it up, but you can't find it some abiding beingness like fire. When the thought's gone, where did it go? Well, the it, there was no um, substantial it ever. The it was our definition of a process. Uh, ever in flocks. But but to call it a a conceit, (laughs) a fictional conceit, is very interesting. And in Buddhism, there's the conceit of self. There's a phrase, the the conceit of self falls away. That self um, or identity, the idea of a substantial identity, which nearly everybody has until (laughs) they leave in sixth density, the idea of substantial identity is a conceit. It's a fantasy it's a, con- a sign of conceitedness this kind of thing an image, a conjecture an invention very very interesting uh, but there's no way around that continued generation of Kalpana or Sankara fourth Skanda because we still have perceptions we still have sense doors we still have um, the experience of, sub- of subjectivity we, we haven't broken the eighth fetter of identity. So for as long as there's identity, there's going to be perception, conception, and continuing kalpana. The, the, the point is to uh, develop right view uh, that helps us get beyond illusion. And then also desire, craving, clinging, and the dukkha and stress that comes from all that so there's right view that helps us become free from all view and there's dhamma kalpana like Argadat talking uh, that helps us free from attachment to concept and um, a conceited sort of fanciful way of living a, a fictional way you can say fancy like oh that's a fancy cute but there's also fiction Raw said, "Understanding is not of your density. Same kind of point. And so, uh, it's just it's, it's just a useful teaching um, to loosen deep mind attachment to presumed substantiality, presumed reality to our thinking. You know, the it, it's not the old, the world that needs to be overcome." It's our attachment to fictional uh, thought, fictional assumption, presumption, uh, assumptions and presumptions themselves. The world isn't the problem. Samsara isn't the problem. Light isn't the problem. The problem is that we conceive and then trust our conceiving and then and some of the conceiving is helpful, and much of it is not so like the council of saturn right they only think when a need for thought is present (laughs) most of the time a need for thought is not present the crystallized healer has no will so ross said um a need for thought can be decreasingly present (laughs) it is very possible it's like the snake right i can be freaky deaky and freaked out that that black thing above the curtain is going to come and put its little head out and say hi hi and I've got to go over there and grab it with the snake catcher and take it outside or I can take it easy like well it may be and after the talk he's not going to come lunging at me and so if he's not going to come lunging at me what's the problem all right take it easy and I'll pick him up and uh, walk through the rain and put him over in the other place now I'm not that clear but you know I can see it's possible so and it's like that right so so one can think through emotional distress to some degree one can you know it's basically Ray Vespi's teaching if you can't see through it you got to see it through if you can't see the fictional nature of thought and feeling one ought to work through it by comprehending its causality um, take responsibility for it understanding the the Activity of all players in the situation if it's interpersonal. See it through um, without bypassing and avoiding or exaggerating if you can't see the sunya of kalpana. Kalpana including emotion, including sensation in the body. Right? What is sensation in the body other than our conceptualized experience of sensation in the body? That there's a body, that is sensation, that I call it you know anger or grief or fear is useful but it's still a conceptual designation if the mind is not doing that what's happening i don't know i can't conceive it so uh, (laughs) it goes round and round. but i think that's all i pretty much give you today actually i'll just close with some of the wisdom library definitions in Sanskrit forming this is again what our mind does (laughs) how we live how mind lives how mind is that defines our life experience forming, fashioning, arranging performing, clipping cutting, fixing decoration decorating ornamenting inventing an idea a fancy an image a fabrication a forgery a contrivance a device and 13 is decorating an elephant Sanskrit there's many cute terms Uh, an inference an invention and again decorating an elephant so Kalpana is decorating an elephant the elephant doesn't need decoration you know sat and tat need no decoration so uh, don't 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 excessively decorate your elephant um, but decorate the elephant for the elephant's own well-being but don't weigh weigh him down you know right conceptualizing <laughs> when a thought for when a need for thought is present think it know it get clear and continue along so that's it for today 4611 <laughs> i hope you enjoyed um take good care see you next time and good night